I'm going to do something I've never done before in the 35 minutes that I have-ish. Um, it's been in my heart for days. As you know, we got away for a few days, Kate and I. And maybe that's why I'm a little, like, just excited and refreshed. Uh, saw boats that, like, bigger than some houses I've ever been in in my life. It was crazy. Um, but it's been something that's been on my heart for days. I, I, it's been stirring me. It's been challenging me. Uh, it's caused me to second guess and guess again. So much so that I actually still sat down and wrote out a whole entire other message. I'm a forward person. I like to go forward. I never like to pause. I never like to really go backwards much. I'll spend a little bit of time there just to reflect and to learn, but I don't like to spend a whole lot of time there. But even right up to this moment, I was still wrestling with whether or not I would f follow through, and I just couldn't bring myself to moving past last week. And so I'm going to actually preach last week's message again. I've never done this before. But there's something about last week's message that even as I was reflecting on it in myself, and even when I tried to write another message, which I have already prepared for next week, so I hope you come back and you hear this week's message next week. I promise you I have it. It's in my notes. If you need to see it for accountability's sake, I'm happy to share it with you. But I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't help myself come back to this message for, for my own self, for my own devotion. I, I think I've shared it with, with this with you, and I know I've shared it with my men's group, that, that often on Sunday nights, I'll spend a little bit of time by myself just reflecting on the weekend. I'll reflect on the day. I'll reflect on the teams. I'll reflect on you. I'll be praying for you. Uh, I'll ask the Lord to just show me some things that maybe uh, we were doing really well and some things that maybe we could just get a little bit better on. I'll reflect on my own message. I'm my own worst critic, to be honest. And as I was, I was, I was doing that Sunday night, um, while Katie was literally yelling at me like, you've got to pack. We're leaving it. You know what time we're leaving? You booked the flights. We're leaving really early. You got to pack. And I'm like, just give me a moment, please. I, I felt it then, to be honest, because there are some things about this message that, that I, I just don't know that I quite articulated well enough, or maybe I didn't articulate them well enough for myself that I think the Lord wanted us to review again. And so if you were here last week, bear with me. I pray that God would breathe new life into your heart and he would teach you and show you something even still that maybe you didn't hear the first time. And if you weren't here last week, this will be new to you anyway. So this is going to be great. But I wanted to be sure that I was demonstrating obedience because I think that that's what this is calling me to do. Uh, and so here I go. For the first time, I'm going to preach the same message two weeks in a row with maybe just a few changes. So would you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John? John chapter 10, John chapter 10. Uh, I would call this uh, the, good the Good Shepherd, the Good Shepherd chapter. Uh, it is an incredible chapter. The whole book of John is incredible. I did a study on it for 52, no, no, no. How many weeks was that? Like 38 weeks uh, last year with some buddies. It was an incredible study. Um, but uh, John chapter 10 specifically is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, and I'm going to read to you verse 22 through 30 very quickly, and then we're going to get right into it. Then came the festival of dedication, also known as Hanukkah, at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, would you tell us plainly? Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. 
I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You see, what we find in this text and truly throughout the whole chapter 10 uh, is this one undeniable truth. This, this undeniable truth is that we are loved by the Good Shepherd. Without question, no doubt, without a hesitation, I can say with 100% certainty that this chapter is about you and I understanding that we are loved by the Good Shepherd. And so change number one is going is to be the title. The title of this message is We Are Loved by the Good Shepherd. We are loved. We are loved. Turn to your neighbor and say, we are loved. Turn to your other neighbor and tell them the same thing, in case they were a little bit hesitant and worried that you picked somebody else besides them. Steve, for, for all intents and purposes, we're sitting next to each other. You are loved, okay? You especially. You see, I think to know this truth calls our attention to two things our text offers us tonight. And I'd also go as far as to say to not know this introduces us to two things that our text offers us as well. Those two things are are this, that he extends us an invitation and he gives us a promise. He extends an invitation and he gives us a promise. These are two things that you and I could could stop for a moment and consider as we think about this text. Whether we've been following Jesus or we are still very unfamiliar with Him, these are still very true statements for you and I to consider. An invitation and a promise. The first thing we're going to look at is this invitation. This invitation is is a bit progressive. It, it has the likes of like a progressive dinner where, you know, you go to a, a restaurant and they bring you out meals kind of at your leisure. We had a, a, an experience like this in Miami. So maybe that was part of the reason why I was reminded of this, where, where we were progressed through the courses of food. And, and let me just tell you, there's some incredible food. Anybody ever had a whole fish before? Like a whole, like the whole thing, head, everything, all that. Well, I, Welcome to my life. I am clearly the last one. Thank you very much for that. I feel so encouraged by my church. It's awesome. Get it together, Pastor. Well, I had my first whole fish experience, and it was quite amazing, to be honest with you. It was a little challenging. There was a lot of work involved. I think I swallowed only like a half a bone, but otherwise, it was all good. I survived. So this is going to be a bit like that. And I want to go back to this text, particularly in verse 25. He says, I did tell you. This is an invitation. He says, I did tell you. In other words, I have been telling you, but you do not believe the works I do in my Father's name testify about me. The works that I do in my Father's name, they testify about me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. In other words, what he's doing is he's inviting us into this place where we, we get to hear his voice, where, where we're known by him, and we get to know him, and we get to follow him. We get to be in close relationship with him. And so that's the, in, the invitation at hand. And, and I think it's, it's fair to even go as far as saying that the invitation is for you and myself to consider whether or not we are part of the believing sheep or the unbelieving sheep. 
In other words, he's, he's saying, I've extended the invitation for you to be my sheep, yet you do not believe. Why? Why don't they believe? Why don't you and I believe? Why don't they or you or I believe that we are loved by a good shepherd? Why is it so hard for us to believe that he loves us so much in a manner that is sacrificial in every way? Why is that so hard for, why is it so hard for them to believe? Why, why is it so hard for us to believe? Well, I hope that maybe tonight we'll be able to, to answer some of those questions. I believe that they, I believe that they don't believe because clearly they are not listening. They are not listening. He says, you do not believe because you are not listening. My sheep, they listen to my voice, he says. In other words, they hear or are listening for his voice. Watch that for just a second. They, they hear or are listening for his voice. There, there's a clear delineation. Is that the right word? Between the two, that those who are listening for his voice and those who are just listening for listening's sake. It's kind of like what Paul experienced on, on his, the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. He says, it says this, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. Or, or maybe like Moses when he was in the wilderness or, or, or on the backside of Nowhere Mountain in Exodus 3 verse 4 says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. You see, I believe that once we hear his voice, we are invited to a place where we can respond or we have an opportunity to respond. Paul responded. Moses responded. How many of us have responded? How many of us possibly have not responded? How many of these Pharisees, how many of these, 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 these people are questioning Jesus' authority and his position and his identity have experienced maybe a similar moment like that of Moses or Paul, and rather than respond the way in which they did, they did not. I don't know about you, but I found in my own life that if I'm truly trying to hear the voice of the Lord, or I'm trying to get direction from Him, it's never often for me in a place of chaos. I don't hear very well in chaos. Quite honestly, I tune out in chaos from all noise. <laughs> and so for me, I have to get away. I have to withdraw. I have to get to a mountain. I have to get to, to a hike. I have to get to a quiet place by a lake. I need to be in a similar place, that which Moses found himself in. And in this case, Paul found himself in and, and just be able to hear the Lord. Some of us can hear him in a noisy room. Some of us can hear him in a crowded place. I don't think there's a right or wrong way in which you hear from him. The question is, are you listening for his voice or are you just listening for listening's sake? 
Jesus told the Pharisees they do not believe, therefore they are not his sheep. Why? Because they are not listening to the right voice. I don't know if you know this or not, but sheep are not considered to be very smart. Yet I find it fascinating that in the midst of a crowd, the shepherd can call out to them and they respond to their voice. Kind of like your children. For me, it's my wife. Not when I call her name, she calls mine, for the record. Please scratch that from the record. That's really going to get me some marks later. It's like when she calls my name. She did it when we were in Miami. We're just walking along, Pastor Simon and I. In case you were wondering, we spent some time with our overseers, Pastor Simon and Val McIntyre, two of the most incredible people on the planet. Pastor Simon and I are just walking along, getting carried away in conversation, and he's a bit of a thinker and a kind of a theologian-type mind, and I can get lost in asking him questions. I'm just like a little schoolboy, just ask him a question, just shut up and listen. We're walking along, and all of a sudden I hear, Aaron Michael Snow! Yes, ma'am? It's kind of like that, right? Where you can be in the midst of an entire different conversation, in the midst of an entire different set of circumstances, a situation. You could be in the midst of chaos. You could be like Paul, literally on your way to go martyr more Christians. You could be like Moses, running from your assignment and your purpose, just living happy-go-lucky on the backside of nowhere mountain. And all of a sudden, you can hear the voice of God call your name, Jason Ferguson. Brandon Gilbert, Sally Johnson, and all of a sudden you're like, yes, yes, like checking everything, like, oh, is like a walkie-talkie under here or something? Maybe it's not an audible voice, it's not your name, but maybe it's an, an unction or inkling or, or stirring in your spirit. You know, what's your gut reaction is often where the Holy Spirit operates best. What's your first inkling? What's the first reaction? What's the first thought you had is often the one you come back to. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to just invite you to this place where maybe you and I experience invitation where we choose to start listening to His voice. Not listening for listening's sake. Which maybe begs the question, what voices are you listening to? What voices are you listening to? There, there's this uh, gentleman by the name of Mark LaCour. He pastors a church in like Baton Rouge. He says this, what sheep lack in intelligence or courage is made up in voice recognition. Strangers may look like angels and even act like God, but it's their speech that gives them away. A voice that lacks authority, intimacy, and hope. Those who have ears to hear, hear. They also know what to ignore. You see, in a world full of noise, screaming and shouting, fighting for our attention, let me ask you this question again. What voices are you listening to? Ones that invoke fear? Demand our allegiance, cause us to question life, our identity, maybe even stirs up rage or anger or doubt for one another. It even might cause us to hate more than love. I was having this conversation the other day that I think we live in a society in a world where fitting in is kind of a cover up for saying we're standing out. 
And standing out is really just fitting in. You see, actually, to be a follower of Jesus is rebellious. To declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior would be rebellious. To stand up and to proclaim the love and the grace of Jesus would actually be standing out. But the way in which we're able to do that with confidence and assurance is to ensure that we're tuned into the frequency of our Father in heaven, the Good Shepherd who knows us and who speaks to us and who ensures that we have a direct line of communication happening and we can hear him. Elizabeth Johnson, she's a, a writer and a teacher at a, a school that I um, have done a little bit of research through. Amidst all of the other voices that evoke fear, make demands, or give advice, the voice of the Good Shepherd is a voice of promise, a voice that calls us by name and claims us as God's own. In other words, it's a voice that says, I came to give you life and life to the full, John 10.10 10 says. I believe that when we hear him, it truly is an invitation to know him. You can hear him in a word. You can hear him in a song. You can hear him through a friend. You can hear him even tonight in this moment. My prayer is that I just don't give you a bunch of information, that, I, that I'm speaking the word of God that would lead to transformation. See, because this word is the word that transforms lives. It's not me. It's not Steve. It's not my wife. It's not any, it's not any of you. Sorry. <laughs> no offense. Didn't mean to burst your bubble tonight. It's the word of God. That's the word that transforms lives. That's the word that, ch that changes everything. My prayer is that you would hear it tonight. You would hear the word of the Lord. A word that would, would bring healing, that would bring restoration, that would distract and, and release and, 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 and cut out all the other noise. I, I shared this uh, before and I'll share it again. I often get asked, how, how do I hear from him? How do I hear from the Lord? I, I believe the way in which we hear from, from him is to make time for him. I believe that if we as the church would recommit ourselves to practicing Sabbath in some form or another, just time where we're getting away to just reprieve and to rest and to shut off all the noise. I know this is going to sound really crazy, but maybe even turn your cell phone off for a little while, just for a day, maybe an hour, start with an hour, just an hour, start with an hour. Maybe instead of your phone putting you to bed, you put your phone to bed and then you go to bed. And then you choose what time you wake your phone back up the next morning. Maybe just start with that. Create habits in your life that eliminate the noise and the distraction. And as the Bible says, seek him first and you'll find him. You see, when we hear him, we get to know him. And it leads us to the second course of this invitation, that they don't believe they are loved because he doesn't know them. He says, my sheep, yeah, yeah, I know them. My sheep, I know them. And they know me. I know them and they know me. They don't believe because they, 
I don't know them. They don't know me. We don't have a relationship. There hasn't been a transforming moment between us yet. But that's the second part of the invitation is that that, that we would know the love of the Good Shepherd because we've had an experience with him. We've encountered him. There's this great story in John chapter 4 about a Samaritan woman. And as I was reading that story again a couple weeks ago in preparation for this message, it wasn't the Samaritan woman that caught my attention. It was the Samaritan people. You see, because what they heard of the Good Shepherd caused them to want to come and see him. In John chapter 4, verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days. These people went out to see him and begged him to stay based on the testimony of a woman that didn't have the greatest reputation in the town. She would have probably been considered the crazy one of the village. And yet here she comes speaking of such an experience with such authority and such clarity and such grace that they're they're wrecked by the reality of what just took place and they come running and they begin to beg Jesus to stay, which is unheard of to be honest with you because he's a Jew and they're Samaritans and they don't get along. But yet they begged him to stay. And he stayed for two days, long enough, watch this, for many more to what? Hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Now we know. Now we know. You see, hearing leads to knowing. They know because they heard. Interestingly enough, they heard from someone who had, who had come to know him for herself. Which begs me to ask this question, what are you saying about Jesus? Is what you're saying life-giving or, if it's, or is it self-praising? Is it, is it pointing people to him? Or is it drawing attention on yourself? Is it leading others to a place where they want to run and beg him to stay a little longer so they can hear more of his wisdom and his encouragement and his grace and his love for them? Or is it just simply gathering a group of people to hear more about you? It's what Bob Goff says. He says that, you know you have found the right community when all the talk is about Jesus and what he did with his life, not someone's opinion about what you ought to be doing with yours. When the community is more focused on Jesus and not themselves, I would just say you probably should just stop for a moment and hang out because you might discover some things about yourself in a place like that. That's the kind of place we want to be. That's what Purpose Church is really about. It's about Jesus. It's about 
It's about telling people about what Jesus has done in us and through us. It's about pointing people to Jesus. This is not about me. I'm not very good on my own. As the Apostle Paul says, quite honestly, I am not very good. I would be considered of the least, likely. But Jesus. But Jesus. You see, we are people who desire to know Jesus and tell the world of all the wonderful things he has done for us. So what are you saying about Jesus? I mean, that's what the Samaritan woman did. And that's what led people to a place where they too got a chance to know him. And as he states in our text, be known by him. You see, to know him is, is to have had, had, have had an experience with him for yourself. To know him is to have had an experience with him for yourself. How can sheep get to know the good shepherd if they've never heard his voice in a language they understand? Let me clarify what I mean by that. It's not about how much scripture you have memorized and how many words in the Bible you can translate in Greek and Hebrew and everything else in between. It's just simply more about what you're saying about Jesus and what he's done in you. This will come. I'm not saying that this is the bread of life because now we get to take it around and beat people over the head with it. I'm saying this is the bread of life because this is the thing that transforms lives and has the power to transform yours. And it's the testimony of what it's done for you that people need to hear so that they too might know him and discover that he loves them as much as he loves you. Maybe you experienced sickness and you were healed miraculously. Tell, tell somebody about that. Maybe you, you were broke and left for dead. Somebody came along, a good Samaritan, they helped you along the way and they taught you a few things. And all of a sudden you're living a life of blessing and prosperity. Tell somebody about that. Maybe your marriage was on the brink, but yet God came through in your time of need. Tell somebody about that. Maybe you never thought you'd own a house in your life, but God, tell somebody about that. Maybe you had an encounter with Jesus like the Samaritan woman, like Paul, like Moses, and it radically transformed your entire life. Tell somebody about that. That's actually what the good news is. It's you. You're the good news. Like we needed any more reason to talk about ourselves, but just don't do it in a way that would put the attention on you. Do it in such a way that would glorify and honor him. Which brings us to our last course, course number three. They don't believe because they don't follow him. To commit to a life in close relationship or proximity or to be led by him. I mean, it's exactly what Jesus offered to each of the disciples. He says in Matthew 4, 19, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. It's also what he offered the rich young ruler. In Matthew 19 and verse 21, you don't have this slide, boys. Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. It's interesting because it's the same invitation to two different, with two different outcomes. It's an invitation to follow him. And in doing so, it's a call to drop your nets, to drop your pride. To drop your way of doing things and to truly trust him, his will, 
and his purpose for our lives. I've found in my own life to follow him, to truly, truly follow him is to lay it all down. I'm not much of a Vegas guy. I like going to Vegas with my wife. I like to, t- I like to go shopping and eat nice food and I like some shows. But outside of that, I'm pretty much out. Like I got carded when I was trying to pretend to like gamble on this thing with nickels. Exactly. Clearly. Winter over here. When I was growing up, it was craps. Outside of that, I don't know what we were doing with nickels. That's a whole other conversation. But what I'm saying to you is, is that in Vegas, I know there's a term. It is all in. And even people in Vegas don't really go all in. They're just going all in with what they have on the table. They're not actually being, they're not willing to lay their life on the table and put everything they have on the table to truly say they're all in. What God is calling you and I to do is to follow him and be willing to go all in. And I promise you on the other side, of your willingness to drop your nets and your pride, your ego and everything else in between I'm sharing from experience is a life you never thought possible. You will live a life with purpose and meaning. It will not come without challenge and heartache. I promise you, you will have plenty of that. But on the other side is purpose and fulfillment and friends and a marriage and children and a community of people that you get to call family. That is what's on the other side of following. And oh, by the way, he might just use you for the advancement of his work, his kingdom, his church, his people for such a time as this. If you and I would just accept the invitation to listen to his voice and shut out all the noise and to be willing to enter into a relationship where we know him, like really, really know him and be willing to lay it all out and go all in, not the Vegas all in. I'm talking about the following. Following Jesus, drop the net and go all in. Yeah, I mean, this is what Jesus was describing earlier in John 10 and verse 3. Steve, you can come. I'm going to speed this up. It says in verse 3, it says, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. Come on. Somebody's got to hear that tonight. He's calling you by name. He wants to know you so much that he already knows your name. He knows your name. And he wants to lead you out into this crazy, exciting, wonderful life that he has for us. It says, when he brought them all out, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. The gatekeeper calls us by name. He wants to lead us. As he goes ahead, he wants us to follow him. And he wants us to listen to his voice. You see, the invitation that he's extending to you and I tonight is to choose to listen to his voice and no one else's. I would even go as far as telling you, don't even listen to mine first. His first. Don't let my voice get in his way. Don't let your spouse's voice, they might be a vessel that God uses to nudge you and to prod you and to point you back to him. But I promise you, it will never be more fulfilling and more rewarding and more impactful than his voice.
listen to his voice, to know him and to follow him. And when we accept that invitation, he gives us a promise. The second thing in our text that he offers us is a promise. In verse 28, it says, I give. That word give is translated as generous, always giving, never taking. I give. I'm going to give you eternal life. And you will never perish. You will never lose. You will never be destroyed. And no one will snatch you will seize you or take you out of my hand. Why? Because my sheep have accepted my invitation. They listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Would you just stand with me tonight, church? Here's the deal, though, as you're standing. I'm just going to ask you to just pause in this moment. Try to eliminate extra movement or distraction so we can hear his voice. Here's the deal. It takes faith to hear his voice. It takes faith to know him and to be known by him. And it takes faith to follow him. The invitation is really simple. Just stop right now in this moment and listen. Eliminate all the distractions. Just listen. And ask yourself this question, what voices am I listening to? You see, a Pharisee was a separatist. A Pharisee was one who came to divide or separate people from him, to create confusion, to create doubt. So I wondered if maybe some of us have fallen victim or are guilty of listening to some modern day Pharisees, some people or some things, or some audiences that have separated us, who've divided us, created more division in our thoughts, in our hearts, in our minds, heck, even in our families, in our relationships with the people we love the most. Is it possible that tonight, you and I, we hear the voice of the Good Shepherd? who wants to know each of us and is inviting us to follow him. I believe that when we hear that voice, we listen for that voice, when we hear him and we accept this invitation, we will receive his promise, a generous gift, a gift that never demands anything or wants to take anything from us but a gift of eternal life that will never be destroyed. Where no one or nothing will take us out of the good shepherd's hand. So can I just ask you to close your eyes? If that's you tonight, I want to extend the invitation to you to hear his voice. to hear the voice of a good shepherd who, who has a hope and a future for you, who loves you, who wants to bring healing to your troubled thoughts, to your troubled heart, to your troubled mind, who wants to breathe life into your weary soul. An invitation to, to hear his voice, 
to hear him call your name and invite you into a relationship where you'll get to know him and be known by him. An invitation that he'll, he'll invite you to follow him, to trust him, to lay down your pride, to lay down your, your ways, to quit trying to do things on your own strength, but to do to just do it this way, this one time, to just go all in and say, God, I trust you. I want to know you. I want to follow you. I don't understand it. I'm not fully sure what I'm getting myself into, but I just don't know what else to do. I am at the end of myself. I've tried everything I know to do in my own way. I've been so caught up with all the noise and all the voices and all the distractions. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. My head hurts. My soul hurts. My heart is broken. For some reason, I'm here tonight and I'm hearing you call my name. You're inviting me to know you and to follow you. I want that. I want to try it. I promise if you just give it a shot, on the other side of that try is the most incredible, loving, caring, healing father you'll ever meet. Full of grace, full of truth, full of hope. If that's you tonight, with every eye closed, could I just get you to do me a big favor? Just be bold. Would you just lift your hand to heaven and say, that's me. There's nobody looking. It's between you and the Lord. That's me. I want to hear him call my name. I want to know him and I want to follow him. I want to accept this invitation because I want the promise of eternity. I'm tired of being destroyed. I'm tired of being tired, run down. I'm tired of feeling like always being taken advantage of. I'm ready for a new life. If that's you tonight, just every eye closed. I'm just going to wait a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. As we close tonight, I don't know if that was you. Maybe you just didn't feel encouraged to raise your hand, but you made a move. We're a church that your move might be small to you, but it is massive to God. That's you. I, I'm going to say a prayer, and I'm going to pray this prayer as though you raised your hand. You said, that's me. We're going to close with this. My prayer is that as you pray along with me, you believe in agreement that God will call you by name. He'll draw you close. And he'll invite you into a relationship where you'll get to know him and the purpose and the plans that he has for your life. Thank you, Lord, that I can listen to your voice. Thank you, Lord, that I can hear your voice. Thank you, Lord, for calling me by name. Thank you for inviting me to know you. Because I want to know you. And I want to be known by you. And thank you for promising me that I will experience eternal life. Thank you that you promised that I will never perish and that no one can snatch me out of the hand of the Good Shepherd. Thank you that in this relationship, I can find rest and satisfaction for my soul, both now and forever. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Without